We've been looking in the book of Ephesians uh, recently, and we have got to chapter 2. So if you'd like to turn to chapter 2 of Ephesians, if you've got one of these church Bibles, that we'll be looking at page 1174. 1174. And we'll be doing uh, <clears throat> um, Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 11. Okay, so I'll read it, which says this. <coughs> Therefore, remember that formerly <clears throat> you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I've been struck as I've been reading Ephesians how definite some of the language is here. Uh, how, how decisive of you? I, I'm, I'm wondering, I know there's some people here that are good at making decisions and saying things or what they are, but hands up who would count themselves as a decisive person? Come on, I knew Sheila would put her hand up because I count Sheila as a decisive person. You're a decisive person, Isabel? Yeah, okay. The majority are indecisive, is that right? Or you're not quite sure? Yeah, okay. If you're not sure whether you're indecisive, then my feeling is that you, you probably are, right? Um, I too, I'm pretty indecisive. In fact, Louise will tell you, even when it comes to parking the car, she calls this a parking faff. You know, when I see a space here and I see a space there and I think, not only am I weighing up whether it's the right size for the car, I'm thinking, you know, which one's easiest to get in, which one's best position for what we're doing, whether I've got to get the shopping. Do you know that kind of thing? That's this, options. That's like looking at options. That's because we're indecisive, Bronnie. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. Do you know, I was, and I surprised myself the other day, I was in a meeting with... Um, some people from the council and they were, we were talking about Job Club and whether it was whether we should keep going with it for, because actually the numbers have dropped and so we, we've made a plan to, um, to just to see how it goes until Christmas. But um, one of the guys from the council said, well, how about, have you considered running it um, every fortnight? I just went, no, we're not doing that. 
And I thought to myself, where did that come from? This is not like me. I don't normally just say no. <laughs> but I just thought to myself, no, we're not doing this every fortnight because it's... That'd be so confusing for anybody to come in. Anyway, I'm digressing already and I haven't even started. So, but I've been struck in Ephesians how definite and decisive the language is. Okay, I'll give you some examples. Um, in verse 11 and 12, it says, Remember that formerly you have, who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Da, da, da. Verse 12, it says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Pretty clear, right? Pretty clear. And then it goes on in verse 13. He says, but now you've been brought near. And in verse 19, it says, you're no longer foreigners and you're no longer strangers. Very clear. There's no kind of, hmm, I'm not quite sure who you were. And we're still not quite sure who you are now. It's just, you were this, and now you're that. Yeah? In verse 1 of chapter 2, which we didn't read, it says, uh, in verse 1, it says, you were dead. All right? You're either dead or you're not. Okay? He says, you were dead. And in verse 5, it says, but now you've been made alive. And I've got handiwork. Again, no ambiguity there. Because the thing is, you're either dead or not. And if you're not dead, what? You're alive. Yes. Good. There's decisive Sheila speaking again. (laughs) Everyone else is thinking, well, I'm not quite sure, actually. (laughs) Sheila just makes the decision. Yep, you're alive. You're alive. So it's a very clear statement. And so the statement here is that there is a definite change when we become Christians. There's a definite change in Christ. There's no ambiguity. There's no, mm, not quite sure whether we've changed or not. There's no hint of this sliding sort of stage between being not a Christian and being a Christian where you kind of just sort of, ooh, sort of this grey area. Um, Maybe on your way to getting there or on your way to being better. It's a very clear seismic shift. You were dead and now you're alive. Yeah? Um, You were something completely different. You were foreigners. You were strangers. You were aliens. You were far off. And now you are close and you are near and you're part of the family and you are completely different. Amazing Grace, you know the hymn, puts it like this. I once was lost, but now I am found. I don't know whether there's any different... You can go anywhere in between lost and found. You're either lost... Or you're found. There's nothing in between. And that's really what this is saying. The gospel is good news. It's secure. It's definite. It names what we were and where we've come from. And it names who we are now and where we're going. And there's nothing about that that's ambiguous. No, have I made it? No, am I good enough? No, who am I? No, I'm not sure. No, maybe. No, kind of. Just firm, assured confidence that in Christ... You are changed. In Christ you are transformed. You've come from death to life. You've come from darkness to light. You've come from distant to near. You've come from the outside to the inside. You've come from excluded to being included. And all we do is we trust in Jesus and believe that is true. We call that faith. And that gives us confidence because it is Jesus who does all of that. It's Jesus who brings us from death to life. It's Jesus who finds us and makes us found when we were lost. It's Jesus who uh, brings us from darkness to light. 
And if it was something I did or something you did, then you would doubt and you would kind of be thinking, mm, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure if I've got there yet. I'm not sure if I'm ready for this or whatever. Because if it was up to you or up to me, then we would be a bit, hmm, right? But it is secure because he has done it. What did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. Exactly. So when he says that, don't no more to add. The work is done. So I want to start by saying praise God, yes? Uh, they say in some churches, can I get a witness to that, you know? Amen. amen. Thank you. I have a very English amen, but it's just... Let's do it. Would they say that? Yeah. yeah, definitely. Hallelujah. Preach it. Preach it. So good, yes. So let's rejoice in that, that we are transformed, we are saved by Jesus. And it's a definite shift from one thing to another. So I'm going to just outline really today in, in this passage, what is it that, is, that Paul is being very definite about? So back to verse 12. Is it verse 12 or verse... Yeah, verse 12. It says, um, we, were, we were, this is who we were, we were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants, without hope, without God in the world. That's pretty, pretty bleak, I suppose. That's who we were, though. And in the time of the Bible, this is describing the division that existed between what were the Jews, who we know the Jews are, and the Gentiles. And, the, and here we are, this is, who were the Gentiles? There are everybody who weren't the Jews. <laughs> so uh, again, we've got a distinction here. We've got Jews, we've got Gentiles. The circumcised and the uncircumcised, as the Jews called themselves. And so you have the Jews who were the followers and the keepers of the law. That was one of the divisions. We, we have the law and we follow it. I don't know if they ever said we try and follow it, but... I don't know how they would have come, but that, that's, that was their sort of, this is who we are. They would say that there was the chosen and the not chosen. And this was a bitter and painful division, as you can imagine. You know, there was literally a dividing wall. If you have, the temple had a dividing wall, you know, the, the in and the out. And uh, that was the time then. But if you think of these words, separated, excluded, Foreigners, strangers, and the people without, they're very contemporary words, aren't they? Even, even today. I'll read those again. Separated, excluded, foreigners, strangers, and those without. They have contemporary resonances, I think, particularly at the moment. A lot of that is... Um, it's been spoken in, our, in, the, in the media and in the world around us. And it speaks of a world in pain, doesn't it? It speaks in a world of fractured and a broken humanity, a place where there are barriers, walls, hostility, where there aren't walls, people are wanting to build walls. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's the world we, we, we live in. There's a lot of separated, excluded, foreign, strange, withouts in our world today. And, and there are many things in our world that divide, that build walls, that foster hostility. And in fact, actually, if you think about it, humanity does not do very well at getting on together, does it? <laughs> uh, put humanity together in a confined space, or even a not confined space, humanity finds ways of, of uh, getting a bit sort of... Uh, not getting on. Um, you've got tribalism, you know, where people gather together, 
um, and, and sort of then exclude everybody else. You've got today in our age, even today, uh, people are very individualistic, aren't they? So it's all about me, and so anything that's about me, then that actually excludes you and, and builds up barriers around. So there's a lot of division, there's a lot of hostility. And sometimes Christianity paints uh, the, the picture that the problem with the world and the problem with humanity is that through sin, people are separated from God. Yeah, we heard this. This is not new news. And that is true. But Ephesians would say it's not necessarily the whole picture because people are separated from God, yes, through their sin, but they're also separated from God's people. And those two things, they kind of go together, really, don't they? And Paul is clearly stating this problem. He says in verse 12, the second half of verse 12, you were once without God. In verse 12, it also says you were separate from Christ. So these are people that were not connected with God. But it also says in verse 12, you were excluded from the citizenship, from citizenship in Israel. Another translation says you were not part of the commonwealth of Israel. So that's talking about you weren't part of God's people. So that's the situation as it was before we were Christians. But now it says in verse 13, there's a massive great big but now. Okay, verse 13 starts with what words? But now. I, I think they should be in capitals and underlined and in bold because it's, this is the change. This is the definite something has happened and we are now changed. Decisive change has occurred. You who are far off have been brought near. Can I get a witness? Amen. Thank you. Sister. <laughs> by the blood of Christ and strangely it seems that Paul is applying very Jewish language by the blood that's a sort of very temple sacrificial type way of talking isn't it if you know anything about the Old Testament that's how um, things were brought close to God was through a blood offering we've been brought to the door of the temple almost us outsiders have been brought to the door of the temple, covered in Jesus' blood and, made ex- and therefore being made acceptable, which sounds a bit weird to us Gentiles, because we're not used to that kind of way of thinking, but that's, Paul was very familiar with that world because he was Jewish. And we've been brought into the temple, if you like, in a way that transforms us. We've transformed completely by the blood of Jesus. We've been taken over the threshold of the temple. And rather than going into small... I don't know how you imagine the temple, this kind of small space. <coughs> Actually, we realise we've stepped into something huge and vast. We've been brought into the family of God. Which includes people from every tribe and every tongue, every nation around the world. And the dividing walls have been demolished and the barriers have been taken down. And Jesus' purpose when he came to the earth was to reconcile us to God, to bring us close to God, but also, it says here, to create one new humanity in himself. That's a, that's a big thing. No more us than them. No more division. It says here, the cross has killed the hostility between Jew and Gentile. I like that statement. That the cross has killed the hostility. And regardless of whether you're a long way off or whether you are near, and all of this reminded me of the story of the prodigal son. You know that in Luke, you've got the one good boy and the one naughty boy, if you like, and one goes off. 
but both in the story are outside the house and we never quite know whether either of them comes in if you read the story carefully the father welcomes them in but we don't know whether either of them actually make it in but it's almost I wonder whether Paul because Paul would have known uh, Luke who recorded that whether they were talking one night and Paul just thought I'm going to finish this story and going to say you know whether you were far off or whether you were near whether you were the prodigal son or whether you were the, the, the son nearby you've been brought, both brought in by the Father. He's, pe- priest, he's preached peace to you. You are no longer a foreigner, no longer a, s- a stranger. You are fellow citizens with God's people and a member of his household. You. No longer are you a foreigner. You possess a passport. Oh, passports are contentious even now, aren't they? What colour are they going to be? Whether they have EU on the... You know. Did you hear recently in the, in the news of... A husband and wife had applied for a passport and one came back with EU still on it and one from the old batch and one came back with just Great Britain on it from the new batch and it was, oh dear, <laughs> you know. Who, who are we? As again, even in that, we're going to vote, who are we? Where, who are we, European or not? That kind of thing. It's very confusing. But in Christ, it's like we possess a passport that says, citizen of heaven. You know, what, I don't know what it says in the past. What is it? The Queen basically says that this person can go and do whatever in it. Looked after. There's a problem that they will come in and. That's it. So, under the care basically of the Queen. We're under the care of the, the King. Yeah? That's on our passport. We didn't even need to pay for the passport. You know, getting a passport nowadays is quite expensive. You've got your photo and everything. Our image is already on there, it's been paid for. We have that passport. We live under the ruling authority of the King. And that will get you places. That really will. Heaven for a start. And in all of this as well, we are now full members of God's family. We have an equal place at the table. You belong in the home of God. It's not like there are some people that have been there a long time and you actually kind of just sort of shuffle in at the edge there, maybe just getting a back row seat. But we all sit round the table equally. I'm talking metaphorically, in in the household of God. That's a decisive thing. You have been changed in Christ. You are no longer an outsider. You are part of the family. You are a brother or a sister. In the family of God, you know, when Cherry just said the amen, and I said, preach it, sister. I didn't say preach it, half-sister. She isn't a half-sister. Yeah? First of all, that's a bit of a mouthful. But, you know, in the world we live in, there's lots of... Half this and that's that, you know, stepbrothers, stepsisters, half brothers, half sisters, distant this, distant that. There's none of that in the family of God. You are just brothers and sisters. So look around. That's who you are. You're a son or a daughter of God. Okay, there's no distant relatives. There's no kind of grandchildren. I said this a few weeks ago. There's no grandchildren. There's no distant relatives. You are sons and daughters. Once you weren't, once you were nothing. But now you are in the family of God, a close-knit family. We are the family of God, the household of God. And it says here that we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That means they're part of the family of God. We're in the same family with them. That's cool. Built on the, the, the foundation of Jesus himself, in Christ alone, the cornerstone. That's why we sing that being built together as the dwelling place of God by his spirit here on earth. That's what's going on amongst us. 
In Christ, we belong to this new humanity and God is dwelling in us and we call it church. And through Christ, in the church, it's a place where every nation, tribe and tongue comes together. And I, and I love the fact, even as I look around in this small church, we have such a variety, don't we, of people that are half Chinese like me, uh, people that are fully Filipino, <laughs> you know, we have different colours, varieties, different backgrounds, um, and, and that's, that's, that's church. It's not like other religions where people, everyone has to dress the same or pray the same or do exactly the same because actually if you go to the church around the world there's a great variety even you don't even need to go around the world just go around our town <laughs> there's a great variety of expression of worship in the church but there is unity in that there's a difference between uniformity I've said this before as well uniformity where we all just have to conform to one thing but unity and we're allowed to be different but unified in Christ as a family because I don't know if you've noticed, but within families, people are different, aren't they? Chris said to me a while back, he was watching Abigail and, and Gabriella, who just like, they are so different, aren't they? <laughs> just and this, this, this is the way, you know, this, this happens in families. They're, but we're unified, we're still foxes, and, and we're still church. Now, the final thing I'm going to say, I'm just going to finish on this, that living actually this new reality isn't always easy. Different people from different backgrounds coming together, that takes grace and patience. It did then, it does now. And in the church, um, we've been very good, actually, at reconstructing all the walls that Jesus has taken down, <laughs> if you think about it. The church is brilliant at this over the time. Um, for outsiders, the church has often put many, many barriers, deliberately or not deliberately, and which outsiders find difficult. Um, one of them is, over time, and I'm... Just putting it out here that we often as church start to think that people need to behave first before they can belong and i and i hope we we whether we've exp, exp, expressed it de- deliberately here or not but really we want to be a church where you belong first and then god starts to change your behavior anyway yeah so it's not about you have to behave in a certain way you belong first we say, come and be part of the family. And once you're part of the family, so I know a lot of you know this, then your behaviour starts to change because you start to absorb godliness from the people around you. But we don't sort of say, you've got to be completely godly before you can come through the door. Right? However, there is a lot of people in our world outside who still think that that's the way church is. And somehow we've got to overcome that message and, and go above and beyond and say, look, you belong. Um, it says in verse 15 but the law and its commands and regulations have been set aside in Christ in Christ you belong first and your behaviour changes it's always been that way it's been inside out God starts to work in us once we start we we join in Um, so let's make sure that we we never set up a wall of behaviour and if we ever take a step back and think actually we are making people behave in a way before they can belong then let's just think about that okay so the the church has been good at putting up that wall that barrier and even within the church there are many walls and barriers that we've we've erected and really shouldn't belong there so there are things that where we have we talk about protestants and catholics we talk about traditional and contemporary we talk about if you get um, theological calvinists and armenians anyone know what that means 
See Keith afterwards. He'll do a very good explanation. Um, we, we have infant baptism and believer's baptism. We have women in leadership or women not in leadership. We have hymns or choruses. We have six-day creation people and, and Bible-believing evolutionists. We seem to put up barriers where Christ has done everything to kill and destroy the division. And the church sometimes seems to be trying its hardest to divide and separate. But Jesus put to death the hostility. And he's broken down the walls of hostility and the barriers. And it says here, and this is, um, which verse is this? It says, that verse 18, through Jesus, great Trinitarian statement here, through Jesus, we all have access in one spirit to the Father. In Jesus, we all have access in one spirit to the Father. It doesn't say apart from the Anglicans there, does it? No. It doesn't say there apart from the people uh, that uh, believe in infant baptism. Oh, that's the Anglicans as well. Sorry, I'm not going to pick on them. It doesn't say, you know, the, the people that only sing hymns or only sing choruses, does it? It says, we all have access through Jesus in one spirit to the Father. So the upshot of all of this is that you were once not part of the family and now you are. Is there any way that we are thinking that we could be maybe part of the family? Uh, Let's see now. Hands up. Who's going to be decisive about this? I know Sheila will be, but who can... Sorry, Sheila. (laughs) Um... Who now gets this? Are we part of the family of God? Yes or no? Yes. 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 Okay, good. This is it. We've got it. We've got it. We once were not, but now we are. And we can say that confidently. Go for it. I think sometimes we can say that in our mind, but sometimes our heart doesn't truly believe Mm -hmm. that. And so some of our behaviour can then... Someone could look at that and think, oh, you say that you're part of this family and Christ has done it all, but your fear, anxiety, yes. anger, whatever. And so I think it's our hearts need to catch up with our minds. Yes. Or we need to keep hearing. Mm-hmm. So if I'm ah. here and hearing this message again, yes. which many of us have maybe heard a lot, it's God, we need continual reminder because our kind of flesh and our hearts need to have time to catch up with what we... Is that okay? No. Well, you've just finished it off for me because what I was going to say we should do... No, no, no. No, it's perfect because you've just affirmed this. What I was going to say, before we break bread together, what I'd like us to do to one another is say, to go around to... We can do this, take our time while we get Sunday school to come back in and say, Bryony, you are a daughter of God. Bryony, you are my sister in Christ. And to affirm that to one another. Okay? And say that to one another because we do need to hear it. We do. Brian's absolutely right. And that's, that's how I was going to finish it anyway. We do need to hear this because A, we're indecisive and we tend to be not like Paul and kind of go, oh, I'm not quite sure or I'm not sure whether I'm good enough. Anyone feel that? Yeah? I'm not sure whether I'm, I match up to the standard of the family and then we're thinking of behaviour before belonging. Yeah, We've erected our own walls. Even if the church hasn't done it, we've started getting the bricks and mortar out already. Yeah. 
or or we just we doubt that God says this is my child whom I love and we don't think we're either part of the family or even God is father anymore and so those things creep in very easily and we need to keep affirming ourselves the Bible is always talking about encourage one another speak to one another well here's another one where we can do that so I'll go and get Sunday school so why don't we just get up move around and start telling people that you're part of the family you're brothers and sisters and your sons and daughters get speak speak that affirmation both ways and then we'll gather and, and break bread together is that okay good thank you Brian, for helping me finish